Welcome to DaVinci's Discourse, where the minds of today's most innovative entrepreneurs are unveiled and explored. And my name is Kyle Campbell, your guide on this journey into the depths of the entrepreneurial psyche. So sit back, relax, and get ready to dive into the minds of the greats. This is DaVinci's Discourse. Today we have Dr. Amanda Marie Allard. <laughs> Welcome. And um, we can start, first of all, with uh, how did you know that you wanted to be an entrepreneur? How did you get uh, how did you get started? And um, we can talk about some of the successes, some of the failures you've had. Yes. So looking back, if you would have asked me five years ago, are you an entrepreneur? I would have been like, no, no mm, way. But looking mm. back at my upbringing and what I was doing and what I was interested in. It just makes sense. I have a very curious mind. And I think that's why I went in to get my PhD was because I have these questions. And a lot mm -hmm. of times when you go into business and how businesses are formed or because you see you have questions and you see a problem and you're able to come up with a solution for it. And yes. when you go into your graduate programs, that's all you're doing is you are coming up with solutions. And so it really didn't dawn on me that I was an entrepreneur until the end of my PhD career was coming to a close. And uh, I, you know, the, you think of what are the next steps, right? Do I go on and become an academic and go into the academic world? Or do I go and work a nine to five in industry? And I was noticing that I have a skill that could solve, be a solution to problems. So Having my PhD in communication studies, I help, and more specifically, interpersonal communication mm. studies, so how we connect, how do we interact more effectively with one another, is very important. And I think our human resource resource departments do a great job of it, but uh, there's just higher education that they don't have access to all the time. And so that's why you hire in consultants or professional development trainings and workshops. So I came up with Allard Advising because... I wanted to give back. I want to help people. Um, when I am on my deathbed, I want to look back and say, I helped people communicate more effectively. Mm -hmm. And so that's where Allard Advising started. I also started a business called Wedded Words. It's wedding speech consulting. I saw and, that. Very, very yeah. niche down. Very interesting niche you chose there. Yeah. And that actually fell into my lap. So while I was a teaching assistant and an instructor at Michigan State, I had to teach one-on-one -on -one speech courses. And one of the speeches we would have the students create and, and present was best man and bridesmaid speeches. And mm. so I was doing this for years. And then I started helping my friends. It would be 15 minutes before their big speech at a wedding. And I would pull them in the hallway, edit their entire speech and they'd go out and the bride and groom would say they had the best speech, right? And when I got engaged and I was in the wedding industry, I was like, oh, there's a real niche for this because there's a lot of wedding vow writers, wedding speech writers. But yes. I think on the on the concept of AI, I think AI can be super beneficial to just helping you write a speech. But what AI I don't think is going to get rid of is public speaking. Um, I think oh, we're always yes. still want public speaking events. I mean, it means so much. We're already starting to see that, right? So if you ask AI to write a speech in the voice of Winston Churchill, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. um, who, what will people want? Will people want the Winston Churchill, his actual speech or the one written by AI? And I think people still want the authentic. Yes 
authenticity oh, yeah. of it. Yeah. So um, I think AI, I look at it as a tool and I think that it's going to be super beneficial. But like I said, with wedded words, I don't just write the speeches. I help you overcome the nerves of having to present in front of 300 plus people mm, at a wedding. Okay. So that's interesting. Um, first yeah. of all, which business do you want to go into more? The, the, the former or the latter? The Allard Advising um, yes. is my bread and butter. That is okay. where kind of heart and soul is because something that we're doing a little bit different than maybe some traditional consulting firms is we provide communication services to everyone. And what I mean by this is, like I said, when I'm on my deathbed, I have this passion of, I want to look back and say that I help people communicate more effectively. And I don't, and that means whether you're 16 and you want to be coached by someone on how to develop relationships more effectively, maybe you're 17, you 16, 17, and you don't have a lot of friends and you don't know how to initiate that. Mm. You can come to me. Um, so I have a reduced rate for anyone under the age of 18 because I'm so passionate about helping the youth kind of get into formulate good, healthy relationships in their early adult lives rather than being 30 plus and realizing Ah, I could have handled that a lot better when I was right. 20. Oh, yes. All, of, all of the opportunities that they missed and all of the chances that they could have had if they only knew what you could teach them earlier in their lives. I that's see what why, you mean. Yeah, that's why when I went into college, I didn't know. I was just like every other student. I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I took interpersonal communication courses and I said, you're telling me that I could learn something that's going to make me happier in life. Mm. It actually put add years to my life yeah. if I do it correctly. Um, and just make me have a better outlook all, all around. Um, yeah, I don't know what I'm, I don't know if I want to go to accounting or accounting or not, but, uh, I want something <laughs> that's going to cost me, you know, an investment. And what I noticed a lot too, is everyone needs interpersonal communication skills, but everybody takes their calm class, their speech course, and it's a blow off. And then they come to yeah. me, they're seeing and they're like, oh, I should have taken it more seriously or oh, I'm a lawyer and I have terrible people skills, but it was, there was no interpersonal communication course available to me. Or, you know, I'm a, I had a student who's um, trade work, construction management, and he came to me his senior year and said, you know, I blew off your class and now I really need it because I need to communicate effectively. And there's not a single human being on this planet who doesn't need to communicate more effectively. So I don't gatekeep information. I don't just, I'm not narrowly focused on corporates, corporations for consulting. I help anyone. Okay. Interesting. So, I mean, if only they had that sales pitch that you just gave when they were thinking about, <laughs> or when they were blowing off the class, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. If only, you know, that's where marketing comes into play because people need to have that message that you just gave when it comes to yeah. interpersonal communication or anything. Marketing yeah. is, 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 is absolutely killer and key when it comes to these things. Um, mm -hmm. That, that understanding of the impact of, of potential paths um it's it's that's fascinating to me um so okay let's say that i was a client and i was nervous before going in front of a stage what would you advise me to do because i feel like this is a major problem even with one-on-one -on -one meetings not necessarily stages what would you advise me to to get over those nerves if i was facing that so getting on a stage uh because i did a tedx talk in the spring of 2023 for tedx msu and mm. i've been doing public speaking as just as a background, I've been doing public speaking as early as second grade. So I was doing academic, you know, competitions on recalling and presenting in front of people. 
And um, I have a lot of tips and tricks. And what I will say is the advice I'm about to give um, may work for some, but not for others. That's something else that I've been noticing with technology and communication is people go to TikTok on, you know, advice. And I watch some of these TikTok videos and I'm like, that works for some people, but not everyone. So um, the first piece of advice is you need to really be self-aware and a lot of it's trial and error. So my biggest piece of advice getting in front of people is get comfortable being uncomfortable. So overcoming that fear actually starts and looks like overcoming a lot of little fears throughout your day. So let's Mm. say for example, you get really nervous with small talk and you just find it really uncomfortable I challenge, this is what I challenge with my students and my clients is I challenge you to initiate three small talk conversations in a day, right? So, and then once you realize that, oh, this isn't that bad or, oh, let me just practice this and overcome it or, oh, wow, the same nerves that I have starting that conversation is the exact same as when I'm about to go on stage, you will start to realize what works best for you. So Mm -hmm. I would say those are my big, two big pieces of advice is become very self-aware of who you are as an individual and to get comfortable being uncomfortable and putting yourself in uncomfortable situations, because I truly believe that's where true growth as a human being happens. Interesting. You know, it's uh, it's conditioning at the end of the day, because you're, you can, you can, let's say there's an example that I learned. It's um, if you have a horse that's afraid of, of traffic, let's say you have a farm that is right next to a highway and your horses are terrified of traffic. Um, by the end of the month, after being acclimated to the, cl- to the, to the traffic being close to them, they're going to be le- a lot less afraid, a lot more comfortable with the traffic. And so it comes down to the same thing with, with speaking on stage, uh, with that experience of, of, having those micro uh, interactions that you're afraid of, eventually you'll condition yourself to be, oh, wait a second, this isn't that bad. Um, And maybe I was a lot better than I thought I would be. And it's actually a lot easier than I thought it would be too. So, you know, it comes down to conditioning and how you're going to condition yourself to, to really be um, 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 prone to, to conquering these opportunities rather than, than being um, shut down by them. So that's interesting. Um, when it comes to interpersonal communication, what are some some tips and, and tricks that you've learned that like if you had to put it in a in a bumper sticker or in a nutshell, what would you what would you say in terms of uh, the top uh, most in, impactful influential uh, tips that you can give? Oh man, uh, I obviously have taught sixteen week courses on interpersonal right. communication. Yes, so, I know, I know. Um, so it must be so difficult. But if you had to, yeah. if you had to put yeah. it in, a, in an elevator speech, what would it be? I would. Say um, my biggest tips to interpersonal communication. I have a couple of tips. First is, and this is what I tell everyone: you need to be genuinely interested in the person sitting across from you. Mm. And a big kind of like um, segue from that is active listening. And a lot of people don't know what active listening is, is and, and it is a skill. What that means is a lot of times people be listening to someone speak and they have other thoughts brewing in their head. They're like, oh, what is my next question? Or they said something and I have, you know, I have to mention something about myself. Yes. yes. Active listening is nothing else is going on. So being, if you could imagine if everyone actively listened to you, or if you actively listen to everyone else, you'd see that your relationships would thrive. Another key point is I don't think people realize what expectation violations are. And I think that would help a lot with conflict. So um, everyone has expectations of events, scenarios, how things should interact. 
So for example, let's say you're going on a date and you expect that the other person, the male is supposed to pay for the date, right? Where really become self-aware and think, where does that expectation come from, right? Mm, how and do you know say, that the male is supposed to pay for the day? You get to the undersurface, the beliefs that go into that. You realize maybe yeah. that they're not built on concrete. Maybe they're built on sand. Exactly. And then be aware that, hey, if, you know, the male in the state wants to, doesn't expect you to pay for it, it's probably going to violate your expectations and that's probably not going to sit well with you. It doesn't mean that they're a bad person. It just means that y'all maybe have different beliefs, like you were saying. Right. Um, I think another big thing that I've been talking a lot about is, especially after COVID, we were really secluded, right? And I think that if you had social anxiety going into COVID, it just was heightened after. I, I'm a very sociable person. And I even remember my first awkward coffee, com- like ordering coffee conversation I was like oh yeah like I'm supposed to say how are you doing here and it was because you're just out of practice and I think that we also got really divided after COVID on our belief points and hard Mm -hmm. for many people to kind of find common ground and so I think at the core of that is empathy so develop your empathy and communication skills so kind of what if someone asked me at a on a another podcast, you know, if I had to leave one dying message before I leave, it would be speak kindness and develop your empathy skills. Because if you do those two things, I think the rest will follow. And that ties in exactly with um, active listening as well, because that's empathy. You're putting yourself fully in their position to understand what they're saying. Um, Yeah, Yeah. those two tie together. Um, I guess the question becomes, how do you actively listen? And how do you develop that empathy? it takes a lot of practice. And so it goes back to kind of that, um, be comfortable or get comfortable being uncomfortable. Uh, I would like to say with empathy, empathy is one of those things, like you don't want to be overly empathetic. And what I mean by this is, um, if you're an overly empathetic person, it's, you need to have boundaries, right? You shouldn't always, you're going to get taken advantage of. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Um, so what we're seeing at a lot of companies is the most empathetic people post COVID were the ones leaving and you want empathetic people because they are insightful and they're very self-aware, but they were leaving because they were taking on everyone else's trauma and they were getting mm. burnt out. Uh. So empathy is actually, you kind of want to be in the mm. middle range. Um, but even if you're in the middle range of empathy, you always want to develop your skills. And so some researchers would say that uh, empathy is built on three different components. It's um, your emotional regulation. So how well uh, are you able to regulate your emotions and are aware of the emotional accuracy, your um, ability to set boundaries and then um, bound, uh, contagion, how quickly do you pick up other people's, right? And so you mm-hmm. kind of want to be in the middle range on all of them. How do you know uh, when you're you- in the... I'm sorry, I cut you off. Speaking uh-huh. of active listening, <laughs> but my question is: is how do you how do you know when you're in that middle range, and how do you get there? Yeah. So how do yeah how do you get there? There's a really great book by I think it's Carla Carla McLaren or it's right here. Yeah, or Carla McLaren. It's the Art of Empathy. So she has an assessment mm-hmm. in there. I think it was really great. You can also go online and do like a basic empathy scale assessment. There's a lot of resources. I mean, obviously do your due diligence on the, um, the efficiency of the scale. Right. Um, so for example, I know some people will self-diagnose themselves based off of Google scales, but, um, a lot of times 
anyone can publish those. You want them to be from individuals who are educated, maybe they're peer reviewed. Um, you can contact someone like me and I can kind of lead you in the right direction. And yeah, so- How and do I you think get in also, contact with you? You can get in contact with me on all social media platforms, uh, Dr. Amanda Allard. And I'm, yeah, I'm on all major social media platforms. I have a TikTok for Allard Advising where I talk about kind of tips and tricks on how to build interpersonal skills. They're little educational snippets. And okay. yeah, and then I, we are developing the website for Allard Advising and that should launch in the next week or two. Hey, I hope you're enjoying the podcast. And I want to let you know that I've got a free book that you can get if you want to tap into more of these resources. And you can get that for free at kylesbook.com. Back to the podcast. Okay, very cool. So let's say I was a, a new client with Allard Advising. What would be the first steps that you would take me through? Um, if we were one-on-one, -on -one, I would definitely sit down and assess your goals because everyone has different goals. And then we would put together a plan and I would create basically like little assignments that we would go through and we would meet weekly or monthly or however often you would like. And we would just develop that over time. Um, okay. I am not a therapist, but what I would say is I'm a communication specialist and I'm think of me as like your communication coach that, and I help you with all interpersonal, it could even be persuasive speaking. It could be leadership because not only do I have communication background, but I have some business background as well. Okay. So, so let's go into that a little bit um, in terms of getting clients for, for Allard advising, what is your process for, for, for doing so? So like I said, we are just now launching I and okay. our marketing, um, but like I said, I've, I kind of similar with wedded words. I've been doing this for probably a year. Um, I was just picking up odd jobs, uh, but right now a lot of similar marketing tactics, cold calling, uh, hmm. Facebook networking, and that all goes back to my bread and butter of interpersonal connections. Right, That's what course. I love to do. Yes, I love yes. to connect with people. So hmm. um you never know who you're impacting. That's also kind of where, what I teach with emotional contagion is, you know, you could have an interaction with one person, but that interaction could impact another interaction they have. Yeah. And oh so, yeah. It's the domino effect. Yeah. The butterfly the effect. effect. Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So people can get in contact with all social media sites. And like I said, everything is customizable to the needs of the client, the organization or the group. And I'm, like I said, at the core of everything we do, we are, advancing the conversation on everything and most importantly their communication skills interesting i love that okay um in terms of um replicating yourself so that you have a marketing tool that allows you to to uh, collect leads and not have to do cold calls anymore there's an opportunity there it's interesting because uh, what my company does is we interview you we transcribe that interview and turn it into a book that does exactly that so you would yeah. in, in, that, that's an interesting point is instead of having to cold call people, you have an, an asset that you use to replicate yourself so that you're not mm -hmm. having to, to have that one-on-one -on -one interaction to have that connection. You could have mm -hmm. that, um, that contagion effect, which is an interesting, yeah. a very interesting way of putting that. Um, I, ca yeah. I just call it being an empath, um, that have, yeah. have, having that, um, and it's, it's troublesome, isn't it? It's, uh, yeah. it, it takes some, people, this is where people are divided. They're yes. like, can you be, connected through AI. And I think that AI is, I know a lot of people who are turned off by it, but I think of it almost as like a calculator, right? Remember when the calculator first came out or, well, I don't remember. Nope. I, <laughs> nope. But when the calculator first came out, I'm sure there were academic 
academics and professionals who were really concerned about pe- using it, people using it as a crutch, people not knowing the right. oh, true, true. Yeah, not fair enough. understanding the background between how to conduct mathematic That's equations. A very good and yeah, and but it saves people a lot of time and it helps you kind of move past that and you have more time for the things that you want to do. So and I look at learn more like, maths that you wouldn't have been able to learn without that that time saved. So it's exactly. a, a major progression exponentializer. Exponentializer? Yes. Yeah, we'll go with it. <laughs> <laughs> but there's yeah. pros and cons to any advancement in technology. And oh, pros and cons to everything, that, of course. Oh, yeah. And so, um, oh, he was the former Google ex-president, I believe. Um research and divine, but he, he did a podcast on the diary of CEO, CEO with Stephen Barlett. And he basically talked about one of his, his biggest fears with AI in particular is, is he wants to make sure that we are creating an AI robot that's empathetic and has mm-hmm. qualities of not just the logical aspect and very male dominated, but also very, um, has the, a good balance between male and female I like kind of that. insight. Wow. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. And that comes back to psychology and the the fact that we need to find that balance within ourselves as well. And yeah. that ties in with interpersonal communication. Also with personal communication too. Do you, do you recommend somebody starts with the personal communication to, to be able to communicate with themselves, to be able to have that interpersonal communication and that connection with others? Yes. So self-awareness, I think, is at the core of everything people need to develop. And when you're 17 to 22, that is an age range where your prefrontal cortex isn't fully developed. We know that scientifically and self-awareness, you're still becoming aware of yourself. Some people are more mm. so than, yes, but yes. at the core of what everyone's doing is, okay, you need to understand like, ah, I don't like this because this is based on my childhood or, oh, yes. you know, mm-hmm. I look at the world this way because of this. And some people go their whole life and never make those connections and have those insights and they don't they tend to not have a lot of connections with people or if they do they're very surface level but the people who are able to say you know i think this way because of this and i'm very self aware i'm able for example i like to think that i'm very self aware because i practice it daily but i'm able to pretty much interact with anyone around me and even though they may say some things that i totally disagree with politically religiously whatever it may be i'm still able to be kind to them and i'm still able to be generous to them. And if you want to go to business or networking, like that's going to help you make more connections because again, I'm sure we've heard this age old saying, right? No one's going to remember what you did, but they're going to always remember how you made them feel. And so you need to be self-aware to, in order to like, you need your personal self to be good in order to interact with interpersonal. How do you develop that? How do you cultivate it? So um, I think a great way to start is journaling. And mm, just yes. of like becoming aware and asking yourself some hard hitting questions mm-hmm. and doing some deep work. I think the shadow book that is trending on TikTok right now is trending because people are finally sitting down and saying like, oh, this is why I get depressed every time I go to Christmas holidays. It's because of this mm. childhood, right? Yeah. Um, I think also too, it's not always easy, but I think people should have an environment where they're able to be safe and grow. Um, If you look at, we were talking about psychology, you know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, the base of it is you need your basic needs met. And for some people, that's not a privilege. 
And then for others, it is. And if that is one of your privileges, I would say you need to have a space and environment that works for you. So for example, if you know that you're at your calmest and you can think the most clearly when you are walking in a park, go do that and, and make a point to go do that and set up a date with yourself. If you, I think at one of the core themes humans want in life is love. And mm. how can you love someone if you don't truly love yourself and know yourself? Because what marriage and relationships do is they basically are a mirror and they pull out mm. all the bad and ugly vulnerabilities out of you. And so if you're not even aware of those ugly, bad vulnerabilities, it's going to shock you when someone says, this is mm. a flaw. Wait not a second. Our, it's 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 a projection of of your own negative traits that you're projecting onto others. What you just said is yeah. fascinating. That your relationship is a mirror of yourself, and so if you love yourself, you're going to love others. You have, and yeah. it's also a relationship with anybody that you connect with. If you yeah. have a, a dark spot that hasn't been examined, you're going to dislike that in others, not realizing that you're actually disliking that trait in yourself. Carl Jung oh, yeah. talked talked about that in depth, and that's that's a fascinating. Um, and it's also very difficult to face once you realize the magnitude of what you yeah, just said. And if you look at all religious affiliations, like it doesn't matter how you affiliate, when you're married, you're becoming one, right? Yeah. In the eyes of whoever your God is. And so if your partner has a flaw that you don't like, it's probably a flaw that you also have, but yes. in a different degree. And then yeah. you're not maybe what, you know, what couples who've been married, like, 30, 45 plus years, you know, you accept those flaws. And just like you need to accept the flaws within you. It's not that you are blind to them, that you deny them. You're like, oh yeah, that's that's something I do. Like I'm I'm a OCD individual or I definitely can nag quite a bit, right? Uh, whatever it may be, just being aware of it because like, I, and I think that's where the divorce rate, right? With marriage, people have a lot of stereotypes about divorce and the big thing is like oh why should i get married it's obviously going to end in divorce if you really go deep into the research really if you get married before 21 your chances of divorce are higher because you're young and like i just said your prefrontal cortex isn't developed um if you wait a little bit and you have a good financial stability the chances of you um getting divorced is lower than if you got married young. There's a lot of factors that go into play with it. But I think what we're seeing a lot nowadays, and this is just a hunch, this isn't based off of anything. I think people's expectations are being violated. And I think they're having this idea of what marriage should be. Mm. And then they get there and they're like, oh, this is totally not what I was expecting. I, You mean, this is going to be really tough. This is going to be hard mm. and it's not romanticized. Oh, yeah, I don't want this. Or I want this, but not with you. And that happens a lot too. And it's always a projection of the dark traits that you haven't faced in yourself that you're projecting onto others. It's fascinating. Yeah. That ties into business as well with business partnerships, with relationships with clients. Um, yeah. A good uh, self-awareness or a high level of self-awareness is going to always uh, benefit you in terms of interpersonal communication. Um, and I also think go where you're celebrated and not tolerated. So you know, mm. sometimes you, you may be married for 40 years. And um, this is what I tell my students, you know, marriage, we know can add years to your life, but a healthy marriage. And just like it's the same with working in business. If you're in a job for 40 years and you are undervalued, underappreciated, it's a toxic work environment. 
it's going to kill you physically. Yeah. We've seen yeah. it um, with physiological studies. It lowers your immune system. Oh, and yeah. so the literature is very clear on that. Mm-hmm. And I think with Gen Z and the younger generation and even some uh, late millennials, uh, they're not standing for it and they're leaving those work environments. And I think that we're at a very unique time point when it comes to business. This is the first time in history, five generations have been working with each other. And so there's a lot of stereotypes, a lot of biases going around. And I think that being mindful of them is really important. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. Huge change going on right now. Um, how do you think AI ties into that? Um, how do you think AI ties into it in terms of the solution or the or the potential fallback? So I think AI is really interesting. We're seeing it right now um, in terms of relationships. I think it can be helpful. And I, I think there's pros and cons. One of the pros is I think that we are going to help individuals who very, feel very lonely have access to some type of support. Um, I did I do have a couple of publications in the supportive communication literature, and I know that there are more effective su- supportive communication messages than others. But at the end of the day, I think we all just need support. And so if I was an individual who, let's say, was on the brink of suicide and I reached out to an AI bot and they were able to connect me with a 1-800-SUICIDE hotline, beautiful, right? Um, I think that that's kind of the beauty of AI. Or to connect you with yourself, if you were to ask it to be almost a therapist. And uh, I've done that, you know, it's very interesting. I've had it to pretend to be a therapist and to analyze my dreams for me or to help me, you know, further connect with my unconscious. Very interesting, the potential there to find help when otherwise help wouldn't have been provided. Um, Yeah, absolutely. So you're going into the cons of it. What are some of the cons that you've identified? I think the cons are it's going to affect how we view, um, I apologize. That's okay. Um, I think a con is it's going to affect our expectations of relationships. So think about, um, a Mm. 10 year old Snapchat right now, they have that AI bot and they're able, uh, I have even done some testing with this just personally. I can tell the AI bot like, Hey, I don't like how you're speaking to me. Change it. Right. Mm, yeah. That AI bot will do exactly what you tell it to do. Not but a human. Nope. <laughs> yeah. Good luck. <laughs> the beauty of relationships. The beauty of humans is that we are unpredictable beings. Mm, and, mm, uh, right. I mean, we can, yes. that's why we make bets on things and there's chances involved. And so, so I think that individuals who are being raised with AI bots may there may be a correlation to how it affects their relationships because they may go into marriages or friendships and they may say hey i don't like the way you talk to me like that well if you if i said that to my spouse he may say okay i'll change it or he could say i don't care get over it or hey i think you're being really sensitive here or whatever it may be but you can't force someone to treat you a certain Mm, way mm, i see um, the potential pitfall there yeah wow dangerous a lot of Mm. people don't talk about this in interpersonal communication but uh there's the dark side of communication a lot of researchers don't like to study it but like like we were just talking there's a light and a dark to everything we do so for example Mm. let's let's talk about supportive communication on paper if i said supportive communication you say well that's a wonderful thing it's positive right it's a light thing but what if you're being overly supported that toxic positivity exactly and maybe maybe i'm going through a hard time and my mom is giving me she's overstimulating me with support 
and it affects our relationship. That's negative, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so there, it's kind of a yin and yang. You always. don't too much of a good thing always. And so um, I think there's a lot of opportunity within the chaos. And so, mm. yeah, that's my prediction. But I think AI is here to stay. I think that um, some academics who don't want to include it in their classrooms are doing their students a dis- disservice. Um, if anything, I think that we should be including it and then having humans do what humans do and edit their work. So for example, if you add uh, statistical analyses, I've done this in ChatGBT to see the outcome. It saved me hours on writing up the results section of a paper before. But if I didn't know the background and the actual mathematics behind statistical analyses, I wouldn't have been able to catch when AI was wrong mm. and told me a significant finding when I really didn't. And so use it as a tool, don't use it as a crutch. Yes. Okay. Any um any final points in terms of how to use it as a tool, not as a crutch with when it comes to interpersonal communication or even self-discovery? I think that uh, if you don't have access to mental health resources, I think that you could have AI potentially write up um an ACT therapy plan, right? Um, mm. ACT is a therapy or a CBT therapy plan. Yeah, or yeah. if you could maybe have a conversation back and forth and say, you know, I need you to speak to me like a therapist, like you were saying. Yeah. Uh, I, that's a place where AI can be really beneficial. And I would promote people, if you don't have act the financial means to go to an actual therapist, um, I would use it as that for, for self-awareness. For interpersonal communication, maybe you're having a hard time, excuse me, putting together a message that you don't know how to communicate how you're feeling. You uh, may use it even to, to yourself, you. even you know, to yourself, to communicate how you're feeling to yourself. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things so, that I really use it for is to ask what questions to ask myself. So it's a meta prompt. I ask it, what questions should I be asking in order to solve this problem? Let's say with yeah. an interpersonal communication issue, I would name the problem. And instead of asking for the solution, I ask, what are the best questions to ask to solve the problem? And it will give me the questions. Yeah. And then sometimes I'll answer the questions. Other times I'll have it answer the best questions. Because a lot of the times the problem is we don't know the best questions to ask ourselves. And exactly. so, and that is the main problem when it comes to problem solving is we're often solving the wrong problem. And so if exactly. we can use ChatGPT or some AI to to solve the right problem to first of all identify that problem and then to help us find uh, find the solution to it. Um, there's major opportunity there. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's where academics, whether you're through K through 12 or higher ed, I think that we are supposed to be the mavericks in our field and kind of going out and discovering this stuff so so that we can then teach it to our students and you know. Going back we, at the beginning, you talked about like the failures of entrepreneurship. There's a lot of failures that go into it. And um, if we're able to fail at it, we can then teach our students how to overcome those failures. But if you don't even know those questions you should be asking, yeah. chat GBT or AI or whatever source, you're not like if if I was never taught in you know elementary or middle school how to use a calculator, I probably wouldn't be using a calculator today. And so I think that mm. the individual who succeed in business in the future will not be laggards to jumping on the bandwagon for AI. Yeah. I mean, huge opportunity right now. Um, oh yeah. Anything else that you'd like to add in terms of a question that I should have asked? No. Um, I'm just really obviously passionate about interpersonal communication. Yeah, I can tell and- it radiates off of you. It's beautiful. I, I like that. Thank you. 
Yeah, definitely. You got to glow to you when we talk about it, you know, you light up. Yeah. So that's yeah. very cool it, to see. It's just saved me. It saved me mm. from a lot of things that I dealt with in my childhood and my yeah. some questions and some inadequacies that I felt growing up. And uh, I've helped other people and they're like, wow, I wish I would have known that. Or, and my biggest thing is knowledge is power, but only if you use it. Yeah. And you actively use it. So I always, you know, tell people I was, I learned science, you know, growing up, but I don't actively use science or French. I learned French, but I don't actively use French. So my, that skill isn't powerful. So now that you know that knowledge enacted every day and communication is one of those things that if you use it every day, you'll, you'll live a more fulfilled life. Goes back to that conditioning yourself. I love it. Well, yeah. thank you very much. I mean, it's been a terrific conversation, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah it really has. All right. I hope you enjoyed that podcast episode. And if you want to get a free copy of my book, go to kylesbook.com and you can get a copy there. I'll talk with you soon.